This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by Andrea Huddleston's presentation at the upcoming Wellness Summit, The Gut Hormone Connection. Catch Andrea, your favorite Wellness Couch hosts, a world-class wellness exhibition and more than 600 like-minded people at The Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families and express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining this week on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And you can find us on social media. So we are The Wellness Women. Uh, so on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women. And on Instagram, we are at The Wellness Women Official. I am The Period Whisperer on Facebook and at drandrea.xo on Instagram. And Ashley is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. Um, ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. I am feeling pretty wound up about what we're going to talk about today. Um, Ash, what about you? <laughs> and I went the other way. I'm like, oh, do we even have to talk about this? This is infuriating. So I guess, yeah, you're, you're wound up and like ready to, to ha- have a go. And then I'm like, yeah. But then again, the curiosity hit me and I'm like, okay, let's just strip this back or get rid of my preconceived ideas about, you know, how much I don't like the idea of this anyway and strip it back a bit and just see if, you know, the science stacks up. What does the study say? What does the research say? Is it a fad? Um, and today we're going to be talking about the carnivore diet, which is making a massive 
massive surge in popularity at the moment. It has been for, you know, last few years, um, much in thanks to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Sean Baker, who got on to shows like the Joe Rogan podcast and a whole lot of others that, um, you know, really push this this whole um, all-meat diet as the, the way to be for uh, health and living. So I guess, ladies, I just want you to, you know, start this episode without, you know, an idea like us. Step away for a second and imagine what it might look like to have an all meat diet and that would be you know getting up in the morning and having yourself a steak and then by lunchtime you might be wondering what to eat and you go oh well that's easy I'm just gonna have a steak and then by the evenings guess what don't have to worry about too much creativity you're gonna have a steak and then you get to do that you know day in and day out um, for as long as you are on this all meat diet and I was just like, actually, this would really save me a lot of time in the kitchen, I reckon. What about you, Andy? That's my one thing. I was like, wow, I wouldn't have to think too hard about what I eat every day. (laughs) Was that the one pro that you could find on it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's a few more than that. But that was like one. I was like, man, this would really simplify my kitchen experience. I'd probably only need one pan and I'd probably only need one knife. And um, yeah, I would maybe just need a drawer of do I get to have herbs and spices? Actually, not even because they don't let plant food in. So you can't have any herbs because they come from plants. Um, I wonder if there's spices. I didn't ask that question. Hmm. Well, I, one of the most famous people who's doing the carnivore diet at the moment is um, Jordan Peterson. So this is the very um, prolific Canadian psychologist. Um, so him and his daughter, Michaela, have been doing the carnivore diet for a few years now. And yes, they do their bloods tested and they do, you know, track their um, biochemistry and those sorts of things. And I think that's smart. And they literally just eat red meat. So they eat beef for each meal with some salt. So that and water is their diet. And it started because um, his daughter, Michaela, has really severe autoimmune conditions. And I think that they tried a whole bunch of different things. And then when they, you know, simplified everything right down and they became carnivore, uh, that, you know, she got some pretty radical changes. Um, My concern is that when someone is so popular, like, for example, Jordan Peterson, and he's doing something that is so radical and, in my opinion, dangerous, people tend to just follow suit because they want to emulate, you know, obviously someone who they're idolising. Um, and he does have some pretty radical views about things, but people love him and follow him in droves. Um, but they're giving pretty much unsolicited, unqualified health advice <laughs> to the masses, which is so dangerous. And... For, I guess for you wondering, the carnivore diet is literally just that. It is just meat and water um, depending on sort of the way that people follow it. It might be they might be eating nose to tail, which I think is probably a much healthier way to go about it because at least you'll be getting organ meats that way. But most people are just consuming maybe (laughs) T-bones or they might be having pork belly for every meal. I don't know. Um, But it is just meat so just animal protein and the reason that it is becoming quite popular at the moment is because a lot of people are um i guess attesting symptom improvement to this diet such as you know weight loss which is you know for fairly obvious reasons um things like better mental clarity better gut function um certainly a a reduction in autoimmune system um symptoms and those sorts of things so that's why people are all turning to the carnivore diet um, with such zealous that it resembles religious fervor as far as I'm concerned. 
you know, people change their Instagram handles. They, um, you know, it just becomes so much a part of who they are that if the diet didn't work for them, what would their identity be without that? And it's, I think it's almost, even though it's the complete polarity, it's almost um, to the extreme of, of that religious veganism is what oh, I've seen anyway. Yeah, and um, that's, that's so funny too, because I guess the, the question is, where did the idea come from? Because, you know, just to come up with something that, that works for some people with certain health concerns um, is awesome because, if, you know, if something can help someone really get well, we're kind of excited about it because we know there's no one diet fits all approach. It just doesn't work that way. Um, however, this one does come with a few challenges because, uh, as far as the the research shows, there are you know historically ancestral populations were not carnivores. Um, you know, they, if you go across the globe to all of the nomadic tribes, um, you know, in some of the most harsh places on the planet, um, you know, at altitude, maybe places like Nepal, Mongolia, um, there's the arid tribes. So you'll have like the Maasai. Um, they they did eat you know, exclusively meat, um, but they ate seasonal products as well, such as tubers and herbs, um, you know, tree barks were, were consumed in preparation of meat. Like there's, there was other things there. There was often seeds and nuts and berries and honey, like just the things that were also considered, um, you know, native to the environment. So the only places that tended to eat uh, exclusively carnivore, uh, well, essentially seasonally based exclusive carnivore, were extremely uh, hostile environments. And that's usually, you know, if you look around us today, I don't think any of us are really living in extremely hostile environments where, where general food choices are, you know, not accessible to us. So um, we're actually, you know, our biggest challenge in the modern world today is the overabundance, oversupply, um, the fact that we've got, you know, what was traditionally seasonal fruits and vegetables is now they're all year round. So, you know, I do get the point where people are going, well, hang on, um, none of these other the diets are working because the world is getting sicker and fatter. So there must be another way. So this whole carnivore idea seems like a great way because, look, hey, these guys are getting results. And uh, I know that particularly in you know, some groups like bodyboarding, bodyboarding, <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> My, my, just my love of the surf and the ocean there. But uh, let's go with bodybuilding where image is everything. This idea of, you know, eating meat to get buff and big kind of sounds like a very logical idea, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this is um, a, a really good argument that people use to support the carnivore diet. Ashton, that's what you're talking about, about the traditional societies that have always just, you know, thrived on meat. But the reality is they never, ever just ate meat alone. There is no culture that does that, um, they go to extreme lengths to be able to have some sort of carbohydrates in their diet. Um, and even like, for example, when you're referencing the ex- like really severe, harsh um, environments, the biggest thing that comes to mind would be like the Inuits um, and the Inuit population, but they have evolved over centuries to be able to get different, um, I guess, uh, vitamins and minerals from... The, the animals that they eat. We can't do that. They've evolved it's over such a long time to be able to do that, whereas our bodies wouldn't. And I've heard they even sorry. cut out the stomachs of animals and ate partially digested kelp and things like that. 
Yeah, amazing. And that's what How dogs do as well. That? They eat they? other animals first. So even dogs are carnivores. I mean, are, are omnivores, whereas cats are complete carnivores. Um, but we are not. <laughs> oh, so you're telling um, me dogs are not vegan? Dogs are definitely not vegan. <laughs> they can survive on a vegan diet. Oh, can they? Cats cannot. This is one of my biggest gripes when people tell me that they put their cat on a vegan diet with them, which I just think is cruel because cats are carnivorous purely. Um, so anyway, that's just, I'll get off that soapbox for now because it's such a contrast between, um, you know, me being very passionate about what people are feeding their animals. And obviously I go to great lengths to make sure that my dogs have such a nutritious diet. Um, and then on the flip side of that is that people, you know, uh, I guess prescribing to a carnivore diet. And I actually have a few patients who are doing this as well. And um, one of them is really switched on. She's really well educated about nutrition and I really trust her own judgment of her own body. Um, and she's had, you know, lots of different issues for a while and does well on mostly meat. Um, so for her, I trust her instincts on this. I don't know how long she'll do it for, but, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, whereas a few of my other patients who've decided to take this on board, I think I just, they're just doing it for, maybe shock value or just because they they really like eating meat and eating vegetables is just too much hard work um, and I'm mortified about it. Oh, because, no. Well, yeah, I, but you know what it's like when you're so frustrated with things that um, it, it is so tempting to try something a bit extreme because it's going to have an impact. You know it's going to have some change and sometimes curiosity yes. is what you really, you're really trying to solve curiosity. Like, does this really work? I mean, I've always been a guinea pig for myself. I, I quite like the challenge of uh, seeing if something's going to work or not. Um, as we're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, does that mean you're going to give it a go? Uh, no, I don't love me enough to do that i just think it um sounds hideous given that i was previously vegetarian so i still believe that uh, we are you know omnivorous and therefore need a balanced diet including some meat um but you know not for every meal of the day and if anything i believe it you know for me personally a more plant-based diet suits me um as i tend to feel my very best when i am in that state but um the flip side is not feeling great if I've been off meat for too long. So it's almost like, you know, my body says I need a little bit but not too much. So I don't think this is the uh, the eating protocol that I would choose. Um, but, you know, never say never. If something extreme happens in your life, there might be a push. You know, if you, ex you know, I guess faced with something uh, that is potentially I don't know, life-changing, um, life-debilitating. What, what aren't you going to do, really? When you think about it, I would do anything and everything to try and buy my health back. Um, and if this was presented, uh, it might be very tempting. So let's do, I think we should talk about some of the benefits that um, okay. there is some merit to. It's going to be a little bit balanced, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got to talk about some of the benefits because, you know, like the reality is why are people doing it? Weight loss, you know, health recovery, um, you know, often reduction of inflammation because it's often talked about in circles regarding autoimmune concerns um, and inflammatory conditions, arthritic problems. Uh, so these, you know, underlying cause is always inflammation and generally chronic inflammation. So, um, yeah, firstly, does, does an all-meat diet actually, you know, help um, 
people lose weight, you know, get rid of toxic fat, which, you know, can, of course, uh, perpetuate the cycle of chronic inflammation. And the simple answer to that is, generally speaking, yes. Um, you know, the studies have shown suggestion that because people are on this restricted food diet, um, unintentionally they're going to be consuming less calories because there's not a whole lot of variety. Um, there's not a whole lot of temptation. You think about it every day. The temptation we have and all the different foods we have is often the reason why as a population, um, the studies show we're eating approximately 400 calories more than what the generation before us did. So, which is, you know, it's a substantial amount in, in a, a daily intake, which is like having another small meal on the side of each day. Um, so, yeah, look. So, as you're referring to that food habituation, and that's what we talked about. Remember when we talked about the um, the weight loss episode that we did and, yeah. and the things that have been shown to work over time um, and have sort of stand, stood the test of time, and part of that is that food habituation. So, yes. when we tend to eat the same things, we eat less calories, um, and we naturally, I guess, calorie control automatically over time as well, which I think is is really good. Um, the less variety also means um, for some people less nutrients as well, but maybe we'll talk about that in a minute because we're, we're trying to, you know, shine some positive light on it first. Yes, it does. And can that in turn help to um, reduce inflammation? Yes, it can. So um, that's kind of like answering, does it work? Well, it depends what you're trying it for in order to work. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, um, is it, you know, yeah. It would be ketogenic in nature. Um, <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> There's a zero carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it would, it would easily put you into ketosis. And it also would resemble like essentially a fasting mimic diet as well. And we know that fasting is so beneficial for the immune system and it's one of the best and fastest ways to, you know, have really good cellular apoptosis and having that programmed cell death so that, um, you know, your body is able to control its new cell growth better. We know it improves stem cell production um, and, you know, massively lowers inflammation and almost resets and modulates the immune system. Um, so with the less calories, with the food habituation, those sorts of things would be inducing that, I guess, the closest thing to a fasting mimicking diet without doing that and all of those have certainly been shown to reduce autoimmunity um and you know definitely that um, that inflammation and that could probably be the closest scientific basis for why people would be doing it um I think, Ash, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, and that's, I mean, primarily if you're wanting to sell something in the diet world right now, you've got to promise weight loss. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's considered to be a weight loss diet, which, yes, I'm sure it will. One thing I did learn about it that I hadn't really considered but I had wondered um, was just the effect it would have on, on gut, you know, the effect it has on, you know, bowel motions and stuff because I I was like, huh, well, what happens if you don't have plant foods? You know, we talk so much in 
as the wellness women, we talk about, you know, fiber and the importance that has on gut function and the necessity that plays in the role of um, hormone regulation and, and hormone excretion, you know, just why it's so important for women. But uh, I was like, well, hang on, how, how would you, how would that work? Um, and one of the things that it's considered to, to, to have is what they call a low residue diet, um, essentially meaning that the food that goes in has not got fiber and therefore it doesn't have um, a that, that brush, that sweeping effect on the gut, which can help for some conditions such as gut inflammatory conditions. And um, that was not what I expected to see, to be honest. I always thought that uh, meat in the gut would essentially, like, you know, rotting meat in the gut, that concept of uh, it causing more damage than good. But, um, yeah, the suggestion is it does help people with inflammatory bowel disease um, and irritable bowel. So that was like, huh curious it's actually doing not what i thought it would do which would be the opposite which would be you know irritate the gut and you know cause gas and bloating and all that so um the reality is that an all-meat diet is low residue because it um doesn't have any fiber so that's kind of hmm, i was like oh that's against what i had expected to hear about this diet that is the complete opposite of what I expected as well, because it was always my understanding that um, excessive meat consumption drove up gram-negative species in the microbiome, and the gram-negative species are really good at signaling like inflammatory pathways. Um, they can, you know, signal, uh, you know, uh, adrenaline or epinephrine, epinephrine pathways, so they can, you know, essentially. Um, stimulate that stress response for you. So I found that that was so interesting. It makes sense as to why it would do it, but it just, especially with that putrefaction um, component of that that you would be expecting with that meat consumption. Um, but it's good to know that that is not the case at least. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you look at uh, photos of Sean Baker, who you know primarily is the big proponent of this, he's a pretty ripped dude. Like he's massive, <laughs> and you're, you're, <laughs> an older gentleman. He's um, uh, you know, I just uh, I think he's in his fifties, but you know, like I can tell you what. He's in his 50s and would put most, you know, young guys to shame in terms of their physique. So um, you can see why it is so tempting to try something like this because, you know, from from a photograph, it's like, well, if that dude can do this, you know, just on a meat-based diet, that's awesome. I'd like to try it. Um, so, you know, and the, I guess the, the promises are... On the side of that, there's plenty of vegan bodybuilders as well who... Exactly um, right. So this is, again, you know, driven by media, driven by popularity, driven by conversations that sometimes are a bit... Um, uh, what I think is a, a bit of excitability over things that maybe are not well understood. But... Um, yes. I was definitely curious when we went and said, oh, should we do it on this? Because I've got a lot of patience. And I was like, actually, I'm curious. I'm really, I want to know the rationale behind this. Why, why would you do such a thing? I honestly had never heard of it because I had actually never thought <laughs> of doing such a thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a bit of learning for me too because I'm, as we always try and do, we try and find the research, try and make sense of something rather than just go, oh, that sounds like rubbish, let's, you know, dish that one away. Um, but just trying to understand more about it was super interesting. And um, I, I guess the other benefits that, you know, came from the, the diet 
was that it proved the body's adaptability to change, um, that, you know, you can completely change your diet and the body will adapt in accordance to that, um, right down to um, some studies showing that the, the gut microbiota changes as well because it'll obviously, obviously increase in organisms um, and bacteria that will help to digest and ferment meat um, and it will decrease those microbes that are going to be the plant breakdown, you know, plant fibres. So um, how clever is that, that it can actually change the microbiome because the body goes into an adaptation and a change you know down to that bacterial level in the gut that was kind of cool for me i was like wow look at that i mean we know how intelligent the body is but those sorts of things remind you that yes change the environment and you change the microbiome that's kind of cool that's amazing and the other thing that i just think is so ingenious in our body is that if you don't give the body essentially carbohydrates, it will kind of make its own um, in a roundabout way. So through the liver, if you're eating, for example, only meat, your body can still actually produce its own glucose through the liver and it's called gluconeogenesis um, where it literally converts proteins into glucose, um, puts a lot of pressure on your liver to actually do that. But isn't that incredible that it can um, just in the first place? Like your body has this incredible way of maintaining that homeostasis. Um, I have to say though, my biggest concern with this diet, apart from some of the things we're going to get into, like the hormonal disruption and the um, nutrient depletion and everything else, my biggest concern is why people would be drawn to this in the first place. So why people um, would want to actually do it when there's not really any evidence, there's no long-term studies, it's so restrictive. Um, and I think it must be really difficult to have a social life with it and everything else. Um, so my concern is that people are suffering with such ill health and such severe inflammatory condition they haven't been able to get to the bottom of that they're needing to go to this extreme. Yeah, that's, that's I think that is and um, it points to the fact that <laughs> we are at a crossroads, you know, in um, conventional medicine that we have more and more access and availability of medications and treatments and yet we're still not getting well and that, that frustration um, is evident when I see these kinds of diets pop up and other things that are suggested people do and, you know, some strange, obscure plant root extract to cure everything and you think, I get it, I get it. It's such a frustrating time to be unwell and, and to feel unhealthy because it seems like there's just so much out there. There's a pill for every ill, as they say, um, and yet if you're suffering, it seems like there's nothing else that can be done, particularly if you've tried a, you know, a few different things with different health professionals. Um, it can be certainly very much a dead-end frustration. So these sorts of dietary uh, promises definitely seem very appealing. So you're absolutely right. It's almost... Um, there's a bit of it's sort of preying on some vulnerabilities isn't it in some ways but um it is um what we call extreme meaning that to remove everything but you know meat protein um is not in keeping with the the, the scientific evidence that suggests we are best served as human beings on a predominantly plant-based diet with small amounts of meat 
Um, you know, and I guess this is a debate that's going to go round and round and round for the next century or two, I'm sure, because <laughs> it seems that there's always something new to be learned about nutrition uh, and, you know, and human health, which is exciting. I love it because we're always learning ourselves. Um, but yes, I haven't tried this and I don't think I will. I can tell, Andrea, you have not and you definitely won't. <laughs> Um, and I think Ash is probably like, you know, in the essence of full disclosure is probably so much my bias because you and I have a very similar background in the sense that we were um, like vegan and vegetarian for a long time and then had to reintroduce animal protein for, you know, I guess the sake of our own survival. Um, and, you know, even though I, I do reap the health benefits of eating animal protein, it doesn't mean that I enjoy the process of it. Um, so I also think that just... Um, the idea of the carnivore diet is just so far away from, um, you know, what resonates with me as well. Um, so uh, as much as we try and be unbiased on, on the podcast, this one is definitely not one that I can sort of sit on, that's for sure. Um, but like, how, about, how about we talk about benefits, though? Let's just give it a little, little if we've done our benefits, sorry, let's talk about our challenges we have with it because we're, we're just yeah. saying more of our personal, you know, uh, opinions on it, which is, fair because we're pretty well um, versed in the the biochemical aspects of what this diet is doing and why. But, you know, some of the key things, some of the key drawbacks that you would consider um, would have to be, you know, the effect of the consumption of the all-meat diet is just the lack of diversity, the lack of nutrients, the lack of phytonutrients, which, you know, we know plant-based um, nutrients have huge and beneficial effects on our health. Um, this is why majority of supplementation is all based on plants because there are extraordinary amounts of, you know, antioxidants and things that can be found in plants. Um, so to eliminate them completely from the diet um, could, in I guess, in essence, um, eliminate our opportunity for using all of these other wonderful plant-based um, food sources that can promote healing too. So it's not that meat alone can create this healing process. Um, healing comes from having everything you need for your bodies and cells to function its very best. Um, and you know, there's certainly going to be some things that you will not be able to get out of meat. Um, and I think if we can consider that the biggest challenge, then you know, is it then necessary to go and fill yourself up with other supplements, synthetic supplements, just to try and make up for the things you won't get? Yeah, that, that is a good question. And um, the phytonutrients, like if we go back to sort of health, which we know is such a keystone for how a whole system functions, they're so incredibly important because the phytonutrients will both simultaneously promote the growth of beneficial bacteria whilst already maintaining um, almost like the normal ecology that you should have. So whilst um, suppressing the pathogenic growth at the same time. Um, and phytonutrients are essentially the colours that you get from plants. And diversity um, in life is great. <laughs> diversity in your gut is even better. And we know that the populations who do have the most gut diversity are also the healthiest as well um, and have the less hormonal conditions too we know that um so yeah massive uh lack of phytonutrients that's for sure and very obviously as well there's nutrient deficiencies um too and the things that i think are most important are magnesium vitamin c vitamin e um some b vitamins as well um or you know especially folate um what else would be depleted ash um 
apart from those things, uh, vitamin A, vitamin K2. Um, oh, you're rattling off a good lot there. <laughs> I'm just thinking of things that, because uh, there is, you still get a lot of nutrients from meat, but there's some things that you can only get from plants. Um, and I think magnesium being one of the most important things that is required by our body, you know, there's over, I think there's three to 400 different reactions that happen that are reliant on magnesium. Um, and vitamin C, for example, is essential for our cellular repair. It's good for our collagen formation. It's essential for our immune system. Um, it helps to promote good hormonal balance with the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. It's one of the best ways to boost progesterone as well as just with good vitamin C levels. Um, oh, I've got to take a breath out. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure there's other things. We might have forgotten a couple of them. Um, but those are the big ones. Well, look, and I, I'm a big one about, you know, women's health in general. If you're wanting to have a, a well-balanced body, particularly, you know, cycle and fertility, then we know that, um, you know, very low-carb diets are not helpful and definitely not considered um, safe for women during pregnancy, which is interesting because, you know, one of the key things about being well is are we cycling well as women you know do we have a regular cycle because it's a great indicator and great report card of how well our hormone balance is going um so yeah the consideration that uh, you know a, a no carb diet um the question mark is it good for women um i would suggest it's not i think we're going to lack uh, many of the foundational building blocks we need for producing uh, adequate levels of sex hormones um and there's, you know, there's studies have shown that there's an impact on our thyroid um, function. And I think mm. that as soon as you start playing around with the thyroid function in women, we all know that uh, thyroid dysfunction is the leading cause of many different health concerns women have. Um, it's one of the most common reasons women go to their GP because of symptoms related to, you know, thyroid dysfunction. So, um, yeah. It, like you said, if you're eating, you know, tip to toe, tip to tail, tip to toe, that's then probably going to reduce the risks of having some of those nutrient deficiencies um, because historically cultures that didn't have a lot of access to plant, they actually revered things like the thyroid gland. So for um, them to continue procreating, they understood that they needed to be consuming the thyroid glands of the animals that they, that they hunted. And that's a pretty interesting thing, isn't it? Like how they figure that out is extraordinary. I'm not sure what it must have been. It must have been probably a situation where, you know, if you've got a tribe that is failing to um, birth live young, then you've got to consider what's not working for them. And they must have realised that, you know, somehow by accident uh, some parts of the tribe were able to procreate and others weren't and considering how that worked. And, um, yeah, so hunting for the thyroid gland, like, wow, that's, a, that's an incredibly uh, intuitive um, thing to have discovered well before the science we now know um, can tell us what all these things are with a simple tissue sample. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, I thought that was an interesting thing about uh, hormone and fertility. 
And I always say that you need carbohydrates to be able to ovulate. Like even though we want to maybe control them in certain um, hormonal conditions like PCOS, we want to make sure that we're having, you know, good protein, good good quality fats and low processed or no processed carbohydrates. Um, so we might be doing more of a high fat, low carb type diet, but it's not no carbohydrates. And I, so as far as I'm concerned, we need vegetables, we need carbs to be able to actually have enough energy to ovulate because the actual process of synthesizing, maturing an egg and then releasing it is such an incredibly energy-dense process that happens. Um, it may not seem like that considering we don't have any conscious control over it for the most part, <laughs> um, but it is such an incredibly um, miraculous thing that our system does and we definitely need appropriate nutrients to be able to do that. Um, I definitely think this would be unsafe during pregnancy. I would certainly not advocate for any women to be on a purely um, carnivore-type diet during that. And I think for men as well, if you are you know, partaking in that you know, pregnancy part, I definitely would not be suggesting you are only you know, exclusively eating meat. Um, during trying as well oh well i think that gives us um a pretty good run through of the musings and the inner workings of our mind and how we you know tackle a topic that we sometimes don't know a lot about but are willing to research and consider even when it seems a bit abstract and possibly extreme um so you know that's ladies that's how we get to these ideas of why we choose some things and dismiss other things um but i think it's so important in all aspects of our health to have a balanced conversation or a balanced view of what it is where we're considering with our health um, because being dogmatic in any principle uh, closes down our opportunities to see possibilities. And so, you know, for someone who tells me they're vegan and there's no other way, um, I'm sorry to say it, but that's a dogmatic approach to nutrition. And that just means that, you know, you really are closing down the possibilities of what may work for someone else because we really, really, really know um, based on our diverse evolution pathways where we come from in the globe you know our genetic lineage and all these things that there is no one diet fits all um so if you do you know you do have this as your primary diet if you are carnivorous i am so curious i would love to hear from you personally um so please touch base with us because i would um i really would love to have a chat to someone who is on this long term to see really what they are experiencing um and to look at them in the, in the face i know this sounds really funny but to look at someone in their eyes you can see health through the eyes you know, someone's face shines and sparkles and eyes are bright like something about you tells that person is vital and uh, and well um yeah i i'm i'm still really curious i, I want to meet a long-term carnivorous person to understand this a bit better um as to how they oh, well i wonder if they exist <laughs> no I, and that's me being very dogmatic and dean calls me out on that all the time um, so, ash i love that um that gentle reminder about um, we do need to be a little bit more open to all sorts of different possibilities because you're right there is absolutely no one diet for everybody um that's certainly not the case um, and there is no one size fits all and don't forget if you spoke to dr bruce lipton he'd tell you that if you believe it to be healthy for you then your body will change its functions and cellular existence to support that belief i'm like hello <laughs> Exactly. And maybe down the track, we're going to learn that, um, you know, maybe the specific nutrients, maybe the macronutrients and the micronutrients and everything have much less to do with it as opposed to what our 
actual environment does and the way that our mind is interpreting it. Um, you know, I think that maybe we'll evolve to have a different relationship with food in that sense. And if you've ever, um, if you have seen Damien Christoph's evolution through his absolute dogmatic position on food and the way that he stood on certain things and to what he is now after um, doing much research with the centenarians in Korea, like he has taken a much softer very different stance on a lot of things and I think he's on to something there um I don't think I'm quite evolved enough to be able to eat gluten but who knows <laughs> oh as we always say ladies right. you are your own best doctors listen to your body tune into your intuition if this works for you and feels right for you then pay keep going with it if you trial something like this and it doesn't work as uh, you're made to be told that it might or should then hey consider that just a, a lesson and experience and uh, and move on and find the balance and find the uh, intuitive eating that works for you best it's been really nice chatting to you about this topic i'm kind of like surprised i'm actually more interested than i thought i might be <laughs> Um, ladies, I will let you know if Ash adopts any kind of carnival resembling diet, that's for sure. Um, and ladies, we do really want to hear from you. If you or someone you know um, has done this and has had, you know, really miraculous results, um, we are still so open to that. So please make sure you're communicating with us from the social media channels that we mentioned before. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast medium that it is that you're using. Ladies, we are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are raising the bar on women's health. And until next week, be well. The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here. I love being at these events. They're always such a great positive environment. It's been really great to um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people actually. I've been to every summit and I've been to everyone and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been a real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. And there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing. And this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important, a holistic health. Just do it, yeah. Just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life-changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about and enjoy it. It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great. Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.